0: May 8th, 1945. Do you know that date? VE Day. Victory in Europe Day. Can you imagine being in London or Paris on that day? Millions, over a million just in London, gathered around Trafalgar Square and the park in front of Buckingham Palace, singing, dancing, crying. Watch the video of it this week. They were packed shoulder to shoulder, hardly any room to move. The celebration was intense. Paris was overrun by the crowds, whose unrestrained revelry and joy was so contagious that even when we see the black and white photos 77 years later, you can almost feel the emotion coming off the page, can't you? Because you know what those smiles mean. I suspect the partying was long, probably a bit extreme. I doubt anyone held back. I mean, if you had been a soldier in Europe, would you have held back on that day? If you had been a mother of small children in France, would you have smiled, had a glass of wine, and just carried on as if nothing happened? Not likely. The victory was just too great. The joy almost inexpressible. real party. For whatever reason, it's hard for us to think about our Savior, the man of sorrows, as the lord of the party, as a reveler in the celebration of something like VED. And yet, this is exactly the reputation Jesus managed to develop. Did you get it in the first part of our gospel reading? This man welcomes sinners and parties with them. The religious leaders said it with more than just a measure of disgust, I will show you. And what's worse is Jesus didn't really do anything to disavow the reputation. In fact, he affirmed it, and he told stories like these that essentially said, yep, that's true what you say about me, and it's probably worse than you I do wonder sometimes about preaching this aspect of Jesus' ministry. Maybe this is something we whisper in our Bible studies during community groups. or something. After all, we live in a city where party and self-indulgence are core to what it means to be human. I mean, we shouldn't give the wrong impression, right, to our neighbors around us. Perhaps even more than other cities around the country Our neighbors prize the freedom to choose this today and that tomorrow simply out of the pleasure of doing so, regardless of consequences and probably without any extended consideration of moral imperative. Maybe I'm being too harsh, maybe not. What sort of message should a society like that, the one we live in, hear from us? should we say to them? Should we really be telling them about the Lord of the party? Maybe it's better that we cast a vision for sobriety and celibacy. Nothing wrong with those, mind you. After all, that would be an outrageous message to a lot of people. It would make some sense to preach that. But Jesus, interestingly, never really wore those labels, and didn't talk about them very much, if only. It seems to me that he intentionally developed this reputation for outrageous party because he knows that before we can get clear on what we're really like, we have to know what God's really like. And the mission of Jesus was and is to reveal to the world. What God is like, and crucially, that this God takes delight in his creations and that he loves to save. He's doing something in us and with us and through us, and all of that stuff that he's doing is cause for a party, for V. Is that they're lost. Thoroughly, completely, utterly lost. So these parables really are as much about the lost sinner as, it, as they are about the Father. Who can't wait to throw a party for miserable, self-destructive stuck in a disaster of their own making kind of people. Jesus says, Which one of you wouldn't leave the 99, go hunt for that one sheep, stay out there all night, and into the next day, and even beyond until you find it? Did you notice how he didn't put a time limit on it? Jesus didn't say that he'd glance over the hill or look for a good hour. He said the shepherd would stay on the hunt until he finds the sheep. Who of you wouldn't spend as long as it takes searching for that coin? And then when you find it, who of you wouldn't call your friends and neighbors and have them come over for a party because you lost some change and then found it in a small bag that you forgot to unpack from your business trip to LA last week? <laughs> Save the date, party in my house. I found some money out of this place. Now who of you wouldn't do that? Jesus says. And which little manager among you, if you have a troublesome and underperforming employee, will not stay late every day, even long into the evening, helping this poor idiot of employee until his brain shows some signs of developing and he completes his work on time? And when he finally completes his work, to a high standard. Which one of you will not rush into the office the next day? I'm throwing a party. Come join me, for my idiot employee, who should never have been hired, has now finished. His set us up for the next one, the story of the lost son. Do you know what agitated the older brother, son, about uh, the return of the younger brother? You know, got his goat. It wasn't his return. It wasn't even that the father was excited about his return. We shouldn't be surprised that a parent is thrilled that a child has come to his senses. Sure, we expect that. But for a guy to blow all of the father's inheritance on debauchery and then the father spends more money on this loser? Well, now that's just foolish. Absurd. All for someone who doesn't know his head from his tail, who's been wallowing around in a pigsty. Really? Jesus says that when God behaves in such unreasonable, outlandish ways, justifying one of his lost children, heaven loses its collective mind and goes wild. I picture when my wife and I return from a trip and walk in and our dog greets us, he loses his mind. He loses all senses. really messed up. There. That lostness is a pre-Christ condition, and the only condition post-Christ is foundness. Now I know what Isaac, don't anybody leave today and say Curtis hates amazing grace to him. We can't ever say that again. No, I don't mean that. I know what Newton was trying to say when he wrote it. He's saying, I'm not fearful of being cast aside. God's not going to remove his love from me. He's saying that lostness was truly dark, and His boundness is truly glorious. And to that we say, Amen and Amen. But this is not to say that lostness is not part of the ongoing Christian experience. Perhaps it's not eternal lostness. But in this parable of the sheep, an interesting feature is that the sheep were part of the fold, or was part of the fold, of the Good Shepherd before that she became lost. I, you're already quibbling in your mind about the interpretation. Stay with me. We all know that the journey in the Christian life includes the ebb and flow of darkness and light, of being lost and found, faithfully following Jesus and regularly. We know this. I mean, hasn't this been your experience? I know that's true for me, I'm confident it's true for you as well. We get lost. When we lose our job, that queasy feeling in our stomach persists as we fret, worry about bills and putting food on the table, fear the unfair. Death of a loved one can get us lost. Sometimes it can take a long time to be found. We get lost when marriages break down, when children willfully reject our wisdom and choose a path of self-destruction. And then sometimes, even more, we get lost when anger becomes the dominant rhythm of our hearts. When addiction or bitterness rule our thoughts and responses. Haven't you experienced that as a Christian? Sometimes our lostness is a little less dramatic. Sometimes we just get older. We get tired. We move into a new season of life and simply struggle to find our way. And still that lostness has its own profundity. We are his sheep. We are his coins. And the good shepherd, heaven's housewife, if I may, is on a relentless, persistent, plodding mission over hills and valleys, canyons and darkness in order to find the lost in order to find us. And Jesus says, when he finds us, heaven goes wild. It's VE day. Is that hard for you to imagine? I do have a hard time thinking of God as this desperate shepherd who puts the 99 at risk because he's obsessed with finding the one knuckle-headed sheep who can't see the stable. I struggle to think of God who's a housewife obsessed with finding a coin, one coin, and then thinks her friends will feel the same she is. It's even more difficult for me to think of a God who can't wait to throw a party for the insignificant and difficult to find in moments. And yet, this is the reputation Jesus gladly embraces. This man welcomes sinners and pardons them. Now, how about that as a message for our city? Portland, when you walk into In-Town Church, you're going to find a small group of people who are very good at getting lost and very grateful at being found. We are stumbling along. insists on chasing us down, carrying us back home, throwing lavish plays. And He'll do that for you too. How about that? For a message, for our world. Now you know what this means, don't you? It means that if we want to be with this God, we want to find this God, then we have to find those who are lost. Now, when I said that, those who are lost, an image, a person, or an image of a type of person popped into your mind, right? And for some of us, we know exactly what that person looks like. We bump into them regularly. And we know in our heart of hearts they're lost, and they are. But how many of us, the image, So we must, ironically, be honest about our own lostness if we're truly going to experience the fullness of the love of God for us. And this is exactly why we come in here every Sunday and we say out loud to God and to others that we're lost, that we have been sinners, that we need Him to find us, and that we repent of whatever it is that has pulled us away. Having spent the past 30 years in church ministry, you won't be surprised to hear that I've sat with many, many folks who've needed the support from the church in order to even acknowledge their own lostness, and then to find that path. for his soul, for his marriage, for everything. I remember as I prayed with him, anxiety, loss, greed, anger, despair, a loss of joy, a loss of hope, a feeling of apathy, The cake has been baked. The guests have been invited. The music playlist has been created. And gallons of the best wine you've ever tasted are already in Heaven's bank already. For you. his sheep, his coin, his son, his daughter, to be found, to repent, to receive the joy and peace of the Lord. you